We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody. Kirk Anderson and Josh Bow coming to you shortly after the Game 6 loss by the Dallas Mavericks at the hands of the Los Angeles Clippers. They fall in the series 4-2, to and they fell on Sunday afternoon, 111-97. to Josh, you just uh, ground out a real uh, thorough recap, and, you know, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? I'm feeling okay. Uh, I'm feeling pretty hopeful. I think I told this to someone on Twitter, I think our friend Austin, that this feels kind of similar to the endings of the 2001, 2002 seasons where it's Ooh. not, it's not a, a end of the season where I am despondent staring out the window and wondering why I like sports. It is a, okay, we're, we're, we're there. We're, we're going to get there. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're on, we're on track. Like it's, it's an odd feeling. Cause I definitely take losses pretty tough when I'm like really engaged as a fan because mm-hmm. I'm super competitive, but I'm just, I'm not upset. I just, they've exceeded expectations and they gave it as much as they possibly could. Uh, and we kind of learned some things that I think makes it easier to, to digest uh, what we saw. Well, let's, let's talk about the game as a whole and yep. then circle back to bigger picture stuff. The Mavericks started the first half and the third and the second half getting punched in the mouth and playing really just awful. Uh, so when you start in a 14-0 like deficit, which ended up being the margin for the game, it's one of those things that you you have a really, really hard time coming back from. I, for one, was fairly despondent just out of halftime. But where I feel really, really good was watching Luca go on his third quarter one-man run and yes. essentially chopping it all the way down to six points from like whatever the heck the lead front was. So, you know, there's there's enough there's enough to take from that game where we should all be pretty pretty excited. I think the 
the story of that of, of this game in particular was just how the Mavericks are so depth depleted at this point. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., you wrote about this. Tim Hardaway has to be hurt. He is normally not a great defender, but he tries hard. He is normally a willing shooter, and the ball goes near the rim. He didn't try on defense, and some of his misses were horrendous. Yeah, and, and I just yeah. can't think that I, I he's too talented a basketball player to think anything other than that, right? I mean, am I crazy? No, like there's a diff. Like when he's bad, it's usually he's like you know shot hunting or his defense is really costly. But it's not like this is this was like when he's even like when he's as bad, it's not this like this is a different level of bad. Like. Mm-hmm. Two of 11 from three. I mean, even when we were really mad at him at the beginning of the season before he became a starter, he didn't play nearly as poor as he played in this game. So, like, it was just so uncharacteristically bad and so out of the range of his possibilities in terms of whether he's going to have a good game or a bad game that I'm just I'm just convinced it has to be the injury that put him on the injury report yesterday because I just refuse to believe that he could play this bad feeling a hundred percent. Like it's just, unless it's just one of those, you know, the, the planets aligning on this day, uh, it was just, it was just crazy bad. You're right. Like, man, he was airballing. He was missing corner threes on the other side of the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, like wide tough. open ones. Yes, the, that's it, tough. Short and long and just lots yeah. of laboring. I feel bad for him. I mean, I yeah. jokingly I jokingly called this the Tim Hardaway opt-in game because, because yeah. like, that's just the <laughs> game that, that we're gonna leave in our mouth. But you know, I really I really appreciate his willingness to go out and battle through that because if it was an injury that was that, you know, uncomfortable to where he was missing shots like that, I, I hope he's all right. We'll probably never really get a full rundown on what what kind of yeah. is. And he said know, it was his is. neck, and that's like that's gonna bother you. Like you mm-hmm. can't hide that, you know. Like if your mm-hmm. neck hurts, it's gonna hurt every play, every movement for the most part, you know. Like you can't hide that injury. Yeah, yeah. And so when you pivot from there, you know, Maxi Kleba kind of had what I would refer as to as his best game of the series, and he still didn't even play that well. Um, at least he shot the ball from the field. He was pretty pretty rough. He, he hit a couple of threes, had some great blocks, you know, rebounded the ball better. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith played probably one of his better all-around games, 16-6-4. Trey Burke and Seth, Seth Curry, who had been such key factors for the Mavericks in, in their wins, were no-shows for the second straight game. Uh, yeah. and, and you just can't overcome that in, in the sense, you know, the, the, the Clippers are, hopefully for them, this serves as a little bit of a, of, of a, of a wake up call because they can't play that poorly and expect to, to get to the finals. Uh, I was, I was pretty surprised at how lackadaisical some of their team was, but when, you know, they play just well enough to absolutely break your, break your kind of momentum and spirit. So it was, it was actually a really fun game to watch. Like it, it was kind of a good, you know, reminder to Mavs fans moving forward about what they have to, uh, what they have to to look forward to, and also very clear about where the Mavericks uh, have to where the Mavericks have to to improve. Um, before I transition to you, I do I do want to talk about that that foul as well because it's it's on my timeline right now. Uh, Luka Doncic basically says after after the foul, it was a terrible play. What can I say? It's two games in a row he did something like that. I really hope that first game it wasn't on purpose. But looking back on the foul this game, you know what I think. 
that. <laughs> so so yeah, anybody that is wondering if Morris is going to be a Maverick, I think the answer to that question is no. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that, what do you got on the role players there? Yeah, it's it was they just it was the story of the season, right? They got to hit. You know, it's basically Luca is going to do what Luca does. Can he get enough complimentary plays? Not necessarily playmaking, but just just make plays, whether it's a defensive play or making a pa- good pass or, or making a shot. And oof, uh, Trey Burko, two from three. Seth was one of three from three. Uh, Kleba, two of six. Uh, we already went over Hardaway, who's two of eleven. Uh, it was just. It, it was just too hard. You know, the Clippers basically threw the kitchen sink at Luca and Lucas still scored 38 points on 28, 15 to 28 shooting, which was pretty remarkable. Uh, but there were long stretches of this game where the Clippers were like, uh, okay, we'll just, we'll live with wide open Dorian Finney Smith at the free throw line. Uh, we'll live with Trey Burke catching it cleanly uh, above the break on, uh, on a three. And we'll just dare these guys to beat us. Uh, and they couldn't, um, you know, like I've said all season, it's it's felt like when this team is on, they look incredible um, when these guys are making their shots, but they're role players for a reason. Uh, and they get, you know, they're paid them, them out, they're paid. And, you know, they're un- some of these are undrafted guys. You know, it's just, it's really tough to overcome when you're already, you know, when you're basically a team built to be more than the sum of its parts and have every piece of the engine contributing and have two of those two major cogs three actually three major cogs out for a playoff series that's just that's just really tough to overcome the Mavericks roster wasn't built in a way that they could overcome injuries to their role guys like they don't have a third star or a fourth star whatever you want to call it they have two stars and then a bunch of complimentary guys and when three of those complimentary guys are out and you force the other five or six guys up a rung or two that they shouldn't be up that's tough. That's tough. You know, it's not, it's not their fault. It's not anything the Mavericks can really do. Uh, we can talk more about what they can do about it, like in a, in another podcast, but like, you know, there's just, there's not a lot they can do. You just got to hope that they make the open shots that they got and they didn't, you know, that didn't happen. Yeah. And the size thing really started to eat them up. Once the Clippers yeah. realized they needed to play Zubak more, that was essentially when things started to go poorly for Dallas fall. And, you know, it's essentially game fives and five and six Zubak had 15, and 11 and really carved the Mavericks up and the way that they play he ended up wide open a lot but he also ended up with on mismatches and just playing really smart basketball I cannot believe the Los Angeles Lakers gave him away for free that's a story for later but one thing that I think the Mavericks held off from a lot of the season when they play this five out ball and you play with Porzingis you got a good rebounder in um in Luca you know they 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 played the boards really well, but it was a game where the size really, really, in really a series where the size started to eat at the Mavericks because the Clippers are long, they're tall. They were able to do just enough to, to make the Maverick offense have to work a little harder. And on games where, you know, you're, you're getting Seth Curry and Tim, uh, Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke shooting unreal percentages that that's just going to happen with the Mavericks spacing every now and again. But in order to win, you know, four out of seven against a team that's that big, the Mavericks had to kind of go away from a number of the things that made them successful. You know, we talked about this, you talked about this in, in your early piece, as far as uh, 
that Maxi wasn't going to be able to to really stick bother Kawhi, Kawhi enough, and that remained true. He really wasn't able to bother Kawhi. I think Kawhi, it, you know, showed why he is such a a postseason. He's a true sixteen game player, just a postseason MVP, really dominant in all aspects of the game, really strong. Gets away with bloody murder on some of the things that he's able to do on offense. I'm, you know, Luca does too, so I'm not going to crow about it too much. But it was it was just kind of a I wish they would have played a different team in the playoffs because I think they could have bet any other team. But in terms of figuring out where the Mavericks need to get better, there isn't a, a better uh, matchup to to figure it out because they have to beat the Clippers eventually, right? Right. And uh, I actually like um, – like I liked Maxi in terms of with Kristaps out, it kind of forced Rick Carlisle to go back to the, to the one big five-out offense – that they used after Dwight Powell got hurt. And I really like, I know that, that they lost game, you know, I thought that they, you know, they won game four, but they lost game five and game six. So they basically, you know, they were one and two since Kristaps got went down, but I really think Maxi played better after Kristaps got hurt from the sense that he just looked more effective uh, defensively, uh, offensively, you know, we can, you know, his shot just wasn't there, but it, he's just so much better at playing the five and being a weak side help defender instead of being a guy that's like, Hey, guard a wing and not be near the basket a lot because you're guarding a wing, you're guarding a perimeter guy. Like he's so much better guarding a big and being able to help. I mean, he's blocks. He had two blocks tonight uh, today. And I think he had two in game four. So like, he's just a much more like, that's his strength. Like Maxi, you, when you look at Maxi and say like, what does he bring on defense? Well, he bring, he's a guy that can help and he can guard the rim and he can block shots. And that's not going to happen when he's guarding Kawhi or guarding Paul George or guard, just being on the perimeter. And that's not his fault. You know, the Mavericks kind of had to, cause it's just the way the roster is. But so like, I actually kind of liked that part of it, but then you're right, you know, with Zubak, uh, you know, Maxi isn't a guy that I don't think you want him you know, banging in the paint for 36 minutes. Uh, he's best, you know, he's definitely more suited as a backup five that plays, uh, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes tops. Uh, so that that's just tough because he's not, you know, he's very athletic, but, you know, Zubak has the the, the weight advantage on him. Uh, so that's really tough. And then, you know, with Burke and Curry and Hardaway, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith's the only guy who wing who played minutes uh, this this series, you know, Hardaway's you can maybe count as a wing, but he's more of a guard and he's like six five. But when you don't have a lot of six seven, six six, six eight guys that can guard on the perimeter and shoot, it's just we've how many playoff series have we watched? How many playoff seasons have we watched in the last five years where like you just gotta have like three, maybe four of those guys to win? And the Mavericks basically have one. Uh, and, and that's, that's just, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's, you can only do so much kind of smoke and mirrors, you know, playing zone defense, you know, doubling, switching, doing all this kind of stuff, but the playoffs, like the playoffs have a way of kind of, you know, shining the spotlight through no matter what, uh, there's not a lot of hiding that you can do. So, uh, they tried, but the roster limitations just caught up to them. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to go over just a couple of things that I found particularly telling about the series, um, at least as a whole. So the good, you know, in a six-game playoff series, Luka Doncic averaged 31.7 points, 9.8 rebounds, 8.2 assists with 5.2 turnovers. He shot 50% from the floor, 36% from three, and Man. 66% from the line. That last one is is pretty 
pretty brutal. Uh, Maxi Kleba was five of 27 from deep on the series. And, you know, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith ended up you know, shooting almost 40% from three. So I think that it, it's safe to say he came that, around. that, yeah, he, he really, he really played well. You know, the, the other guys kind of collapsed late, but it was, it was just, you know, it's just a, it's a series of role players. When you look at the depth, when they're, when, when Reggie Jackson, who, uh, you know, hit some him real, real backbreaking threes for the Mavericks is essentially like a fourth guard on the Clippers. And the Mavericks are playing Trey Burke, who is a fine player. And I suspect they try to work something out to bring him back on the year is a guy who didn't even play with the team in the regular season. That's your sixth man. These, these talent disparities just start to eat away at you. Um, we were all hoping for a game seven in the sense that all you need is one game for anything to happen. But when you look at what Dallas was able to achieve in those two victories, they really eked every ounce of talent out of their roster, and, you know, Luca included, KP, you know, I, I hear what you're saying about us, you know, what if KP hadn't been ejected? There's a lot of little what ifs, but when these things, you know, add up over time, it's enough to to make it fairly obvious that the Clippers were the better team. The Clippers won the series because they were the better team, but that the Mavericks should really walk away knowing that they did just about everything that they could to to try to you know sneak an upset do you do you disagree with that no no i agree and if you know Kristaps plays every single fourth quarter of this series you know maybe we are talking about getting ready for game seven but it still doesn't change you know you know everything else we've been saying and i totally agree they did you know, how many times after playoff series ends, we think, oh, well, what if they made this rotation change? What if this this guy played? What if what if they did this? What if they did that? And I really don't feel that at all. Yeah. Like they, they they did that. Like they put Trey Burke in the starting lineup. They they benched DeLon Wright. They uh, didn't play Justin Jackson. You know, they gave Boban extended run when he was playing pretty playing pretty decently. Like, you know, Curry got a lot more minutes than he was getting uh, in the regular season. Like they man, they did they Rick Carlo pulled out all the stops. Like they, they, they emptied the chamber in this series and, you know, that's really all you can ask for. And it makes it easier to determine what, where they have to get better. But uh, the Luca thing is probably like, that's the thing, right? It's just Luca being how yep. great he was having the game four, like game four, his moment that made the, like when that happened, that was kind of like, all right, the series is fine. Like, I don't care what happens the rest of the series. Like that was, that was incredible. And that was kind of like, it was just so great. Like we already knew, but it was so great to see in this series. I was like, okay, no matter what happens, they have Luca and he is just creeping up the best players in the league list every time we watch him. And uh, that's just, it's nice to have that in your back pocket when we talk about everything else. Like uh, they have Luca and that, you know, it was like the Dirk years. They have Dirk that sets a baseline standard of excellence that teams really every team in the league is aiming for in terms of having that guy that can make you at worst a play you know basically a playoff team uh, and they have one in Luca. and that's that's you know the the key takeaway um you know we didn't even get to touch on the Chris Stapps Porzingis injury really you know, yeah because we have, we've not podcasted since uh, game five, you know, for, for everyone listening, you obviously know he has a torn meniscus. I think how they treat it is something we're not going to know now because it's the off season. I will say having torn a meniscus myself, 
uh, and, and read a, reading a lot about it over the last several days, compared to where I was mentally worried about what was going on with him, <laughs> this is a very good outcome. I know people are going to say, well, he's injury prone. He's injury prone. It's the other knee from his ACL. It's not that surprising given his biomechanics and how he plays that he hurt the opposite knee from overcompensation for a year. I, you know, this is the sort of thing that we should be very, if we're able to report more on it, we should, but this is, I don't want to call it like goes with the territory, but of the range of outcomes where I thought he might have like a degenerative condition or something, this feels really positive in the sense that he, you know, he's going to be able to rehab. He's going to be fine. This is a game where if, if they thought that it might kind of work itself out on its own, uh, that he might be able to come back for a later playoff series if they were able to play. You know, he played two and a half games with the torn meniscus uh, and played well, by the way. So there, there's a lot of real building blocks that have been laid here that, you know, you see like the foundation of the frame the Mavericks want to build. And I wasn't always sure of that in the regular season past knowing Luca's really good and past knowing that KP is really talented. But I wasn't in the frame that I thought this team could be a contender with those two. I thought they needed something else. Now I'm not sure... I'm actually I'm actually much more confident in them being a contender with just those two and finding the right supporting cast. Yeah, um, I think the question it becomes a little more interesting because even if the KP thing, like okay, it's not a degenerative issue, but it's still potentially two knee surgeries since 2018. Not saying he's going to get knee surgery to prepare the meniscus, but it's still not good like it's better than what we thought but it's still end case not great and it at least opens the door to okay if kp can only give you 70 regular season games and then you have to be concerned about how he can you know how many games he can give you in the playoffs that that has to factor into your offseason decision making because then it goes from okay we got kp we have luca let's just get in the role players that will make this work does that then become okay if K, if we have questions about KP's availability throughout a season and, and in a playoff series, does that necessitate we need to look and be more aggressive in getting a quote unquote third star, whatever that may be? Right. Um, I don't know what the you know the I'm I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not saying that's what they should do. I'm just sure, saying, we'll talk. And we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But but yeah, I mean, in terms of like. The fact that Luca and KP got what they got out of this roster, I agree with you in terms of, man, they just need like two more starter level wings or one more starter level wing, like three and D guys. And I would have total confidence that this team could, could make a deep run. Like I'm well, right there with you. on every other, I think they would have beat every other first round opponent. And that maybe includes the Lakers. I, I really, really do with the way that this team played. And I, I, Andy Tobo wrote that piece just before the playoffs started about Rick Carlisle and coaching. So I just, I'm feeling very bullish and we have a lot of stuff coming. Speaking of that, I do want to, to, do you have any more takes before I, I pivot to kind of my thoughts on what's coming for us? Um, I mean, do we want to talk about, do we want to bring up anything negative? <laughs> yeah, no, let's do it because I, I, that's a good point. We, I don't want to kill these guys for it because it's over now, but I, you know, the fact that, that Delon Wright didn't play yeah, and yeah. sweats is, 
that was their key offseason acquisition, and I don't think he's going to be a Maverick next year unless there's just something going on that we don't know about. You know, he's yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing that like to see, you know, just the Justin Jackson thing doesn't surprise me because it's not like you know, last summer that was just a bunch of that was a bunch of puffing up. Like that wasn't. I kind of knew that wasn't real. Um, the Delon Wright thing, I believe, like I believed in him being a fit for this roster, and I believed in them making that move. And it's just such a disappointment considering where he was at the start. Like he had that really incredible game. I think it was the second game of the season against New Orleans, where he had like twenty points. And Rick Carlisle was like, "That's the best point guard defense I've seen since Jason Kidd." And then, and then after that, just like what, like he just kind of disappeared into the ether. Uh, that's just, that's a shame. And when we talk about what they were missing from this game, they're missing another defender. They're missing another playmaker to, to loosen up the defense. And theoretically that's what Wright brings. And the fact that he can't play, he was basically DNP CD'd for most of the series. Like he, he had a couple of moments in a couple of games, but I mean, he was an absolute zero factor in the rotation and, you know, not trying to assign blame on anyone that, but just that outcome just objectively is a massive, massive bummer. It was a failure. I mean, yeah. it's it's a front office failure in the sense that the the co the like like your your key off season acquisition, and we're not counting Porzingis. Sorry, it didn't work. And mm-hmm. then you pair that with you know you really hoped to get expected minutes from Justin Jackson, and to have two guys that are of their pedigree that they have. I mean, Don Wright was a good basketball player elsewhere uh yes justin jackson has a you know college pedigree and has moments but the fact that neither one were able to string together any sort of consistency ate the mavericks up by the time they got to the playoffs now don't kill them for it because this was like we knew this was going to happen if if it wouldn't have been we would have been talking about now how we're wrong and it's like okay you know you you look at those things you just kind of throw it together and you, know, you pile the injuries on top of it and we come out in a net positive place, but it becomes very easy to point out where they have to figure things out. Right. Yep. yep agreed. Yeah. And especially where, you know, you talked about like, we'd be saying we were wrong. Like, I guess I was wrong about, right. Cause I was very, look, I was looking forward to seeing what he could have done on this roster. Cause my, my thought was like, okay, at the very least he's going to be Raptors DeLon, right. Which is, quality rotation bench guard for a playoff team because that's what he was for for those raptors teams so uh the fact that he wasn't even that was yeah that was just i was not even any negative expectation like i was just not i did not see that coming so that's that's a bummer yeah and so that those two things are really the only you know like kind of isn't that kind of shocking that those are the only like bummer like yeah. When you consider everything, all the adversity that this team was facing, like that's why we feel the way we feel right now. Great, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm ready to get into the off season, and that's actually I'm not ready to get in the off season. But <laughs> we will figure that out because I I really like the grind of game <laughs> coverage. I like the the repetition, the planning, the kind of routine nature of this, and then what we have coming, where we kind of have off season dates that are up in the air in terms of free agency. Yeah, we know the draft is going to start. Right. We know the draft is in five to six weeks, I think, from the end of the season. It, I feel like mid-October is what they yep. – and that's sticking. Uh, so what's coming from us in the coming weeks is going to be 
fairly straightforward in the sense of we're going to do some player reviews. We're going to do some look backs at the season. We're going to start on our draft coverage, which will be thorough because the Mavericks have a first round pick and a second round pick. And these two picks, whether they keep them both trade one, whatever, it's going to be a key point for their progression as a franchise. So we're probably going to grind this stuff into the ground. We will eventually start on free agency stuff, which I think is going to to vex some of our staff. But I have a heart like to me, this is a one thing at a time type deal, uh, particularly if free agency is actually going to be like mid-December. I don't want to talk about free agents for four months. Now, what I want probably <laughs> doesn't matter, which means we're going to write about it anyways. What that means for our podcast schedule is I have in my brain and Josh and I've talked about this a little bit where we're going to come on and attempt to do short-ish kind of 20 to 25-minute podcasts on what is happening with, you know, the, 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 the coverage that we've provided. And really, first, we're going to be doing some look-backs. And then I think we'll be doing some look-aheads with what's coming as much as we can do it. Josh and I are not draft experts, which means both of us will likely be talking to other people, getting mm-hmm. their opinions and things like that. That should be fun. Um, you know, you need to, you know... Uh, for the the exclusive set who does listen to this podcast, we will also likely be putting out a call for more content creators to join our team. Uh, that is a, a going to be a very specific looking ask um, because, you know, we, we have a growing platform and we want to give people an opportunity. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's kind of the gist of where things are, are going. Do you have anything to add to that? No, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. <laughs> That's really all I can add is that we're, it's going to be, we're not going to, it's going to be weird because it's going to be uh, unprecedented off season. And we don't really know, like Kirk said, we don't really know the dates, but we will, we will roll with it and we will adapt. And I think with, we will try to translate these positive vibes that we're feeling after a first round loss into talking about like what we're excited about and you know where we think this team can go like it's exciting to be to be this energized after a playoff series loss that we want to be like no there's there's more to talk about like uh, it's a good place to be uh in the in in this timeline well that's going to be it for us this has been josh bow and kirk henderson on our first full season of mavs moneyball after dark we will be returning to you like we mentioned you know like subscribe tell your friends we know it's really only for the hardcore among you with the off-season content We appreciate all the listeners and all the feedback we've been getting. uh, And we will see you out there on the internet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.